We believe that the potential for people to do something amazing has everything to do with being in the right role, on the right team, at the right time. On the Greenhouse What's Your Why podcast, we're celebrating recruiters, individuals who are dedicated every day to helping others unlock that potential. Join me, Ariana Moon, Director of Talent Acquisition at Greenhouse, as I sit down with talent professionals to discover their motivation, inspiration, and journey through today's world of work. Today, I'm talking to Shirin Perinay. Shirin is a director of global recruiting at Fastly and was their first ever recruiter hired over seven years ago. Shirin's a self-made talent acquisition leader who has successfully guided the hiring of hundreds of people at Fastly. We'll discuss the importance of diversity in building company culture and why value alignment in teams is a total game changer. Please welcome Shirin Perinay. Hi, Sharon. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Same here. I know that you're taking some time off right now. Is that right? Yep. Yep. What's one thing you've been able to do on your time off that you've been putting off for some time? Yeah, I have been able to go through, I have most of my stuff on paperless. However, I still get mail and I just have gone through that. And I was like, I'm going to do a whole new filing system, but I actually ended up um, just shredding most of it. (laughs) Nice house cleaning session. Maybe we can learn a little bit more about you and what you do when you're not on time off. So can you start off by telling us a little bit about your story, getting into the hiring space and how you've grown at Fastly so far? Yeah, absolutely. So I've always been in sales. So right out the door out of college, I went into real estate. So I was just 100% commission selling. And then I went and worked for a company selling. And when I went to a recruiting firm to help me find another sales job, they convinced me to be a recruiter. And there was three different recruiting companies doing that. So I saw it as a sign, but I now know that that's what recruiting firms do for salespeople. And so I just went with it and I worked at an agency for a couple of months and then um, went in-house and I really, you know, run my team as a sales function and I see it as a sales job, but now we're selling jobs to people. I like that. When you say you see recruiting as very similar to sales, what what are some of the things that come to mind there? Yeah. So the way that I look at it is more around like pipeline. So you need to prospect the same as a salesperson would do. You need to reach out and do lead generating. You need to network. You need to follow up (laughs) and really build that pipeline and whatever the mathematical equation is for you, how many reach outs you have to do to get so many calls, to get so many interviews, to get one hire. I look at that data as a sales function. I do feel like recruiters are empathetic salespeople. So they just Mm. really, they're not looking to just fill the number. They're really looking to more on the human level to really do the right thing and find the right opportunity and make matches. Right, right. I really like that. I think the things that I heard from you there is how can we have a similarly data-driven approach as many sales functions are a little bit more mature in doing than perhaps many recruiting functions, but still let's not lose that human aspect of what it means to recruit really well. Yep. Um, Because it's, again, not just about getting someone in a seat. It's about having them be in a role that's right for them and career growth over time. Absolutely. And making sure that we're meeting the business's needs. Mm -hmm. 
let's dig a little bit more into how you've grown at Fastly. I know you've been on a little bit of a rocket ship there. So maybe you can share with us your journey so far over the seven plus years that you've been there. So I started there end of 2014. There was a director of recruiting. I joined as the first recruiter and we basically split things up. He took tech, I took non-tech, and we essentially grew and built the team from there. And a couple of years later, when he left, I became essentially the leader of the team. And so I now own recruiting operations, international recruiting, technical recruiting, and non-technical, which is for us, go-to-market and GNA. Yeah. What was the experience like for you taking charge of that team and expanding into so many different geographies? Yeah. You know, looking back, I really didn't think about it while I was doing it because when I was the recruiter, I was getting up, doing all the London calls, getting my kid to school, getting to the office, doing all the US hires, getting him home. After bedtime, I would do all the APAC hires. So I was kind of doing the whole thing myself. So I really didn't think about it. I just kind of thought I was starting to delegate more and not necessarily building a global team. Yeah. That's a lot of work that you mentioned right there. So what was the thing that kept you going? What was that why that made you excited every day to start work? I wanted to see the impact that my work had on a company's growth. And I really felt that with Fastly. You know, when I joined, there was probably about five salespeople and we were around a $10 million run rate company. So knowing that I hired all of the salespeople and all of the sales engineers and all of the non-technical people at that time. And once we hit a hundred million, I was just, I actually could see the impact that my work had. And I loved that. That made me feel good. And I knew all of the people and I knew we all had a common goal and we all worked hard to respect each other and make sure we were getting there. Did that why change for you at all when you started moving more into a leadership role and perhaps weren't doing as much hands-on recruiting as you were as an individual contributor? I still feel like I'm part of the team as well. And we all learn and grow from, from each other and with each other. So I still feel like all of the work that we do from a, like a human capital perspective is really making a lot of impact across the board. I feel what's different is that I'm also able to impact the people on my team mm-hmm. in terms of their growth and opportunities. Mm. Is there perhaps a story that comes front of mind when you think about ways that you've been able to impact the growth of people on your team? Yeah. So last year we had, similar to most of the nation, we had attrition at Fastly and on my team. And it was really hard, but it was really all great opportunities for the people on my team. And a lot of them were hired in like first job out of college, first or second job, starting off like this is more on the operation side where they were coordinators were like, okay. And, and it's interesting, the coordinators that I had hired mostly came from sales. Like they were like out of college, might've gone through like the Oracle sales program or some type of sales program. And then after six months, they're like, actually sales isn't for me. But to me, I was like, okay, you have follow-up skills. You have, you have all of the things you actually need to do to be successful. And they came in here as you know, coordinating, recruiting specialists, but they didn't want to be recruiters. And I didn't have anywhere for them to go. And so after being here for anywhere from 18 
months to three years, they were able to find other opportunities elsewhere and get a huge increase in in terms of their salary and positions. And they were able to go be the recruiting ops person somewhere else. And all of them, you know, we keep in touch and they all feel super prepared and over-prepared for their roles and feel successful where they are now. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of uh, recruiters or TA professionals have experienced some similar transitions into other companies in that way. Going back to how you have grown, Fastly during your time there grew from 100 to 1,000 people. Is that right? Yep. When you think about that kind of growth, I think a lot of the times people have mentors along the way that help them understand what it means to go to the next step, help them understand what it means to navigate so much change. Is that something that you've had in your growth or is that something you just kind of had to figure out on your own? Yeah, I really didn't have any mentors from a talent acquisition perspective. And so a lot of it was figuring it out on my own. And it was it was tough because I, I wasn't always sure of myself. I had to really trust my instincts. The leadership that we had didn't necessarily come from a recruiting or staffing background. So it was kind of leading blindly, yeah. um, but we did really well. Yeah. It sounds like there must have been a lot of self-learning or self-guiding. Is there any advice that you might give to your past self or someone who is in a similar position as you were in earlier stages at Fastly? Yeah, I would say, A, if you can find a mentor, try to do that and ask your leaders for mentors. Like I didn't even think to ask like, hey, do you know somebody that is in this role somewhere else or has been in this role that I can talk to? The other one would be to really lead with data. I had to teach myself a lot about data and reporting. And I feel like when you're trying to advocate for something or sell something up, being able to lead with data is the best. And using benchmarks, whether it's SHRM or Gartner, or even the vendors that you're using, ask them, like, what are other companies doing? Like, what do you have that I could use as a benchmark to report how our company's doing against that. Yeah. Data can be really powerful. It can be the most convincing thing. Do you have any examples of times that you feel like you were able to do that in a really compelling way to kind of push something forward? You know, recently we keep hearing, you know, your recruiters need to more throughput. Like we need them to take more recs each. We need them to take close more per month. And it's like, I hear you. And let me talk to some other people at other companies and see what's actually going on. Because you might look at a benchmark like a Sherm or a Gartner. However, it's not necessarily the way that we're doing it. So I had to kind of break it apart and say like, yes, but we're not Clorox, (laughs) right? Or we're not even a Salesforce where we have a lot of brand recognition. So there's a lot more selling that goes in for our recruiters. We're just starting to build out a sourcing function now. So they're not getting, you know, the sourcing help. So we can't actually do double their rec load right now. I, and I don't think it's the type of candidate experience that we want to sacrifice. So mm. they can, but there's different things that we'll have to sacrifice as an organization. Yeah, for sure. I think when it comes to using data, it's important to contextualize what you're using that data for. Similar to your throughput ask that you might have been getting from your stakeholders. For example, a a question that I was asked recently was, hey, what's your time to fill? 
can we make it faster? It's always about going faster. And so a part of what what I like to do is try to understand the why behind why does it need to be faster? If we're not moving as fast as you know this particular stakeholder thinks we should, are there reasons why they think that way or are there reasons why we aren't potentially moving as fast? Because speed is a really important thing in recruiting, but so is quality of hire. So yep. is diversity of your pipeline. So is being thoughtful about inclusive practices and interviewer alignment. And those things take time. And in the long run, those things can help you result in a stronger, better retained, more actualized hire. Even if in the other scenario, you didn't do all those things and you moved faster in terms of hiring someone. So anyway, as you were talking, I kind of thought of that, that story because I had that conversation with someone pretty recently around just, you know, understanding the why behind why they're asking about the certain, certain metrics or making certain asks so that I can understand better, like what the core question is. I recently had the exact same conversation. <laughs> it was very similar to you where it's like, okay, well, if we want to have this a diverse slate approach and present four candidates to the video stage, having two come from diverse backgrounds or underrepresented backgrounds, that takes time, you know, and we're not where we were four years ago where we were hiring the first qualified candidate. If we want to go back to hiring the first qualified candidate, we can totally <laughs> improve the time to fill. Yes. Number. Yes. That's one of many things that you can track and one of many things that are important. Time for a quick break. Start is the leading candidate experience insights platform for talent acquisition teams with a mission to give people a voice in improving their work lives. In recruitment, that means giving candidates a voice. Start enables you to actively listen to your candidates, respect them, and hear their voices. We help TA teams to automate the collection of candidate experience data to provide insights and actionable recommendations. This enables recruiters to optimize their hiring process, making candidates feel heard and strengthening employee branding along the way. As it's in our DNA, to value the voices of every candidate and make them count. We consider giving marginalized candidates a voice to be self-evident. To support recruiters in their DEI ambitions, we share in our practical, inclusive hiring guide, the best DEI recruiting practices and how to measure progress. The STAR DEI module is specifically designed to help TA teams continuously learn from their candidates how close they actually are in reaching their DEI goals. Curious? Find out more in our STARD's inclusive hiring guide by visiting the link in our show notes. Welcome back. Here's more of my conversation with Sharin Perinay from Fastly. Perhaps we can shift a little bit to talk about how you've had an impact on company culture, how you've been intentional in helping the company build culture in a deliberate way. Because again, you've seen so much growth and with so much growth comes a lot of change. So can you share with us a little bit about how you've thought about intentionally building culture and helping the company do that through recruiting? So at the beginning, we used to have either our CEO, CTO, or COO interview every single candidate. That wasn't scalable. <laughs> and so we dug in a little bit to find out, like, what are they actually interviewing for? And we realized it was to make sure folks were aligned with our values. And so then we had to do work around, like, what are our values? And so we defined our eight values. 
So now we have values interviewers. Everyone in the company goes through a values interview, and it's typically with a random employee that is not within the department that they are interviewing for. And it's just a very casual interview, just talking through values and which of our values resonate with them and why, and getting examples of those values, just to make sure, you know, we all spend so much time working that we want to make sure that we're all aligned at our core values. Recently, we've decided this is our goal in the next two years. And for us to reach that goal of those eight, these are the four values that we really need to focus on to specifically get us to this goal. So now our values interviews over the next two years are shifting for us to really focus on the key ones that are going to get us to where we need to be. I like that. That's, it's not to say that the others aren't important. It's more about, hey, let's apply focus around these specific values because they're aligned with the current goals or the goals that we're marching towards right now as a company. Exactly. We're going through a transformative stage and phase. Mm-hmm. And so we, we chose the ones that'll help us get there. Yeah. One of the things that comes up when you think about interviewing for values is how do you make sure that people are interpreting the values in an aligned way? Do you have any sort of interview training in place now that you're involving so many different cross-functional folks for that interview? We do. So we have interview training. We recently made it online. So if someone does want to become a values interviewer, they can just take the course online and be an approved values interviewer. And we also have questions that we've designed for each value. So there are specific questions. And part of the training is to really dig in and ask, like, keep asking why, why to make sure that that alignment is there. Have you experienced any challenges with testing for values in this way as you've been continuing to scale? A little bit. It's always hard when somebody gets strong yeses across the board technically Mm. and then might get a no on values, right? So then the question comes to, do we do another values interview? It's really up to the hiring manager. We're starting to police less and put the ownership on them, but making sure they have a conversation with the naysayer, because we want to make sure that we're respecting the values interviewer's time, as well as their assessment. And our recommendation is always to have the hiring manager talk to the naysayer, understand what it was, and then have another conversation with the interviewer. I've, I've hired people on my team that have gotten a no on the values interview. And so I just confront them and have a conversation because I feel like if we're going to work together, we're going to have to learn how to communicate and give and receive feedback. So I just say, hey, this is what I heard from the values interview. Can you help me understand? Yeah. And actually have a conversation. And sometimes it's been a misunderstanding. And sometimes it's a learning opportunity and something that I know to coach towards when I bring the person on board. Yeah. There are two key things that you said that I just want to repeat back. The first piece being engaging with what you called the naysayer, like engaging in that feedback, respecting the feedback, perhaps digging into it a little bit more. I think sometimes people might give like a mixed review or negative feedback because they just didn't get enough information in the question they asked from the candidate. And then the other thing that you said that I think is really impactful is it sounds like you engage directly with the candidate 
around any areas of opportunity that were identified in the interview process so that you can do your own due diligence on, you know, investigating whether they actually don't have the skill set that you're looking for or the particular attribute that they've received mixed feedback on. And if they don't, like, it's up to you as the hiring manager to determine, like, hey, is it a coachable thing? Are they coming from maybe a completely different culture that caused them to operate or think in a different way? I kind of fixated on that word coach, because I do think there's a lot of opportunity to coach new hires as they're coming in using the data that you have through the interview process. Because I think one common pitfall for really busy HR teams might be you gather all this really awesome information on someone when they interview, and you kind of like forget about it (laughs) once they're at the company and the onboard. But you should really use that to inform their onboarding or their ramping program. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody last week who felt that recruiters should have more of a seat at the table. And the recruiters, in combination with the hiring managers, should really sit down and kind of come up with a 30, 60, 90 day plan for the employee. So there is not that knowledge gap, right? Because they get so much information and then it's lost and then the employee starts fresh on day one. Yeah. Yeah. That continuity of information is so important. And a lot of the times recruiters, whether you call it a kickoff meeting, an intake meeting, they have this conversation with the hiring manager before they start the search where they align on things like, well, what is this person doing in their 30, 60, 90? What does success look like in the role a year out from now? And a lot of the times that stuff doesn't translate over into the onboarding process. When you think about kind of what's ahead, because we talked a lot about, you know, your practices up to date, how you've grown at Fastly. When you look forward or you look ahead, what are the challenges that you anticipate being the leader of a fast-growing recruiting team, hiring for a fast-growing company? A lot of it is consistency. I also see recruiters, again, as salespeople in terms of like attention to detail. A lot of things are just very like not 100%, I guess, administrative is Mm -hmm. like a a strength. I think the biggest challenges for us is to make sure that we're all doing the same thing and delivering a consistent candidate experience. So we might have like a policy or process that changes. And if someone just misses that email or isn't necessarily paying attention, I just want to make sure that everyone is doing the same thing fundamentally from a process perspective. I resonate with that so strongly. The part about someone missing an email when there's a process rollout, I think one of the challenges is when you scale as a business, the way that you communicate and the way that you share information and hold people accountable to information, that changes with you which is why there's technology that exists around you know, learning and development or a lot on the sales side, actually, l- less on the recruiting side, but I see it as an emerging thing, but technology to help have more like video training so you're not doing everything in person or you know, have like a library of resources instead of having everything live in random folders <laughs> in, in Google Docs or whatever you use. Yeah. So I resonated a lot with that. Pain point. Yeah. And, and even when our partners change their process, like how do we get that over to recruiting? Mm. Yeah, that too. You mentioned consistency of the candidate experience. And I think along the same, same vein, one of the things that I think a lot of TA leaders are thinking about when a recruiting team really grows fast is what about consistency of the hiring manager experience in working with different recruiters from the team? It could be very different when you get you know a recruiter that's more tenured, or a recruiter that's you know more experienced in a certain vertical or someone that is brand new 
And I think this is really front of mind for me because, you know, our team at Greenhouse, our TA team has grown quite significantly, quite quickly. And so I have a lot of folks that are doing a lot of things for the first time. And so one of the things that's been emerging is the question of how do we ensure a really great and consistent hiring manager experience in addition to a great and consistent candidate experience? That's important to us too. So we now are running surveys that when we close a role for each hiring manager and the recruiter. So we're trying to monitor that that way. But I feel you, like we have the international team. So there might be one, let's say a deal desk manager that we'll have in the US and internationally. So they'll be working with two recruiters on a similar role. And so it's a different experience. Something else we've been thinking about rolling out is also having recruiters do a survey at the end of the rec on the hiring manager. I love that. I love that. <laughs> then you can really get the 360 view of that. Yep. Because I think a lot of the times hiring managers might think of, oh, recruiting is recruiting's job or recruiting is the job for the TA person. But it really is that partnership. And if that partnership doesn't exist, neither side can actually be successful. So I like that idea of let's review each other and track that data to improve yep. our relationship. That's the goal. What do you think is a common misconception in the recruiting space? Yeah, I feel like when I'm just meeting new people and they ask me what I do, they automatically assume recruiting is like an agency. Not all people understand, especially if they're not in the tech space, that there's internal recruiters with a company that is aligned to some type of strategy. Mm. And say, say more about the aligned to strategy piece. I think that's a really important part. Yeah, I think it's down to workforce planning. Like what are the company's goals and initiatives and how are we going to use people to to achieve those goals? And then that translates to to me in recruiting and you know, acquiring the talent to hit those goals. Yeah. And I don't know if a lot of people necessarily think it goes that deep, right? And then it comes to like our capacity and what we need to execute on that as well. Right. Very similar as like a revenue target, right? When you have a headcount target, you have to strategically align the recruiting team and their capacity against that. And so in a way, your business strategy is in a way synonymous with your talent strategy. If there was one thing that you wanted our audience to take away about why you think it's great to be in TA today, like what's exciting about it? This is kind of random, but I think what I really miss about being in TA and I do encourage my team to share with me as much as possible is you're talking to humans all day and humans aren't perfect and humans are actually really funny and say crazy things and and do crazy things. So like when we did work in an office, it was always fun to like come out of a conference room and be like, oh my gosh, this call that I was just on. So I really think as much as I take my job very seriously and my goals and my work very seriously. It's just, it's so much fun. Like we would laugh, cry at least once a day. Mm -hmm. I really like that. One of the things that I really loved about being a recruiter when I was a little bit more hands-on was hearing people's stories. Because when you get to hear so many hundreds of stories across dozens of searches, you learn a lot. You learn a lot about how people think, how people have approached the same problems differently. And I think that's a really fascinating thing. I really like that. Stay human. Yeah, I do fundamentally love people. Well, that is a perfect way to end this conversation. 
Thank you so much, Sharon, for this conversation. It was really great. I love the emphasis on be human because we all need more of that in a virtual world. And thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much, Sharon. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please take time to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Find out how to hire for what's next by visiting us at greenhouse.io. Special thanks to our production partner, Wonder Media Network. Our producers are Brittany Martinez and Alana Herlins, and our production assistant is Sarah Schleed. Our greenhouse producer is Marnie Williams. Until next time.